Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Plus, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rocket MSP podcast. Today I'm joined by Andrew and Rory from Smileback. Welcome, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hello. Awesome. So, uh, I, I just if if we have some issues with um, like audio and it's not me for once, um, why? Because we we already had an issue and. Andrew, can you explain the issue? Well, uh, I would say because Germany, um, so we can blame it on the German internet. Uh, Rory, Rory and I are based in Berlin, and the the Wi-Fi here can be surprisingly poor, um, both in, in terms of the service level provided uh, and then the service provided when the, the service level is not good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, why Germany? Ooh, good question. Rory, you've been here longer. You want to start? Yeah. So for me, I, it's kind of a fluke. I uh, came to visit a friend that um, had, was going to like my university that was from Berlin, uh, which is the, the city I live in here. And uh, I really liked it, did a Euro trip, stayed a couple weeks. And then at the end of university, when I finished college, graduated, I came for a summer and loved it. And then uh, moved a few months later and I planned to stay for a year or two. It's been like five or so now, <laughs> I haven't managed to get out. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm a little, I'm a little newer. Oh, sorry. Do you want to ask for a question? No, no, please go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a little. I've I just had my two year anniversary here, and it was pretty random as well. So my last company uh, in Canada, where I'm from, um, was bought by a German company, and I was leading the what was called the PMI, the post merger integration between the two firms. So I was in Berlin a lot uh, for that, and at that point, I just randomly met. Uh, the CEO of Smileback at the time, um, and then he introduced me to the uh, the two founders of Smileback, who actually both lived at the time in Berlin. Although one's a German, one's an American, and Smileback is actually an American company. And yeah, I just really kind of hit it off with the guys, and I liked it here, so I just ended up staying here, and then eventually became the CEO of the company myself. 
That's really cool. And you you decided to stay in Germany. Now, I, I could tell that you are not actually German. Uh, one, because you, you, know, you speak fluent, uh, I'll call it American English, though you're Canadian. So I'm, I'm sure I've just offended somebody. Um, <laughs> but, but you also don't sound angry. Another clue that I know you're not German. And now I just offended somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I think you just offended one nation and now another. Um, yeah. uh, one of which is my my homeland, and one of which is my adopted home. Um, no, we're we're pretty chill. Berlin's pretty chill, though. Uh, I don't I don't feel like there's a lot of angry, a lot of anger or loud speaking um, in in Berlin. And I think Rory, if I can speak for you as a West Coast Californian, pretty laid back people, and as me being a Canadian, we're generally pretty laid back people. So we we bring down the anger just on our own uh, across the country. Now, do you guys speak German? <laughs> I've, uh, <laughs> I've been trying for the whole time, but not really. <laughs> I, I've been trying with more success than Rory. Uh, I think you know, he's been here five years. I've been here too. Mine, mine is okay, especially I'm missing Deutsch. Uh, um, Deutsch is so schwer. It's very difficult. Um, so, my grammar is good and I can write it, but I still have a really hard time even just like ordering a bun uh, at the bakery. Hmm. So are, are the, the Germans there mostly able to speak English then? It's incredible, especially in Berlin. I mean, generally in Germany, they learn English and um, in Berlin though, everyone speaks English. Let's in some parts of the city, um, like this, so there's a neighborhood called Fensauerberg, which is very expat heavy. It'd probably be, you probably have an easier time getting by um, in in English than you would uh, in German. Uh, it's it's that international. The joke is always awesome. that Berlin is not Germany. It's like its own little island within Germany. Um, and hmm. it's kind of the place that attracts a lot of the people that don't want to live in very typical German town, especially German. So yeah, and especially in the tech scene, everybody speaks fluent English. Like I remember if you go to meetups back when we could, uh, it was like every person, like six out of 10 people you meet were foreigners and every meetup was always fully in English. Yeah, is it true. is incredible, though, as a country, how quickly, like, just because they, they learn it. So it's same with the Scandinavian countries. Uh, they learn it in school. And so sometimes, at least I don't know about you, Rory, but I'm surprised when, like, our friend Ash's wife is from, from Sweden, and she spoke, like, colloquial American um, <laughs> English. Uh, you know, like, they know the idioms. They know everything. Um, and I actually thought, I was like, oh, wow. shit, I thought Ash's girlfriend was or wife was from Sweden. Um, and then I met her. I was like, oh, she's definitely American. But no, she was Swedish. Um, and yeah, same with a lot of the German. They, it, it, you wouldn't even know. That is so cool, man. I I don't travel. Um, not that I don't want to. Uh, this this whole pandemic thing and then before that, kids. You know, there's I have a lot of excuses. Um, af afraid of a plane crashing in the middle of the ocean and never being found. Like, you know, just little things. Um, so I, I've been to Canada once, if you count the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. Um, I live... <laughs> I live in Cleveland, Ohio area, so you know, that's that's just a few hours drive to to get up in that area. Um, they they got really mad when uh, it was it was a server. Where was I? It was uh, Margaritaville, 
So I couldn't even go to like a Canadian place. I went to Margaritaville right. like an asshole, right? So um <laughs> so I really offended the server though. He um I I I think I said something along the lines of like, we're all American though, right? Like, cause I'm thinking like North America, South America, <laughs> we're all American. But apparently that is uh very offensive to a Canadian being called American. And I don't understand because we're just the United States of America, but there's all these other America places. It's, I, I actually think um, having moved here, um, you really see how similar Canadians and Americans are um, to the point where I usually refer to like North American culture uh, because it's so, because it's so similar. Like I, if I was to make, and this is just me, saying stuff right now but if i was to divide like differences to me the west coast and the east coast of north america would be way more different than um canada versus the u.s like toronto and new york and chicago yeah. to me are way more similar um than vancouver is to toronto and as a result absolutely um, vancouverites hate torontonians right just as the like la new york divide yeah i mean it's it's that uh that east coast west coast Biggie versus Tupac. Right? <laughs> Biggie versus Tupac, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't take me anywhere. You guys will learn that <laughs> soon enough. All right. So, let's let's talk about what you guys do. So, you are a, a company called Smileback. Well, like, you aren't Smileback, but you know what I mean. Um, so, so, talk to me about Smileback. Like, what what on earth does Smileback do? You want to go or you want me to go, Rory? Um, I'll let you go on this one. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, yeah, so we're, we're a customer satisfaction platform um, for MSPs specifically and focus exclusively on feedback. Um, so we, and if we take that down to like the real level, what does that mean? Is that we have tools that allow MSPs to survey their customers, basically. So we have CSAT and NPS for the big ones. So CSAT being customer satisfaction and NPS being net promoter score. Um, and the idea, the theory behind our product is that it's really important to get customer feedback, but it's only important to get it, but you need to be, you need to be able to analyze it and then do things with it, which we, we like to call leveraging it. So there's kind of like a three, three pillars to our system of feedback, which is you collect feedback, you analyze, assess, report on it, and then you action it. So you, you make meaning of it by taking actions from it. Um, and so that's how we help our customers um, is by providing those tools. And then we also actually provide quite a bit of consultation and education, the kind of the partnership piece um, of Smileback. So we, we like to think of ourselves as not just software, but as like a system, including the tools and the people um, to help to help feedback drive your business if you're an MSP. We don't, we're, we're like focused exclusively on MSPs. Um, so we don't, we don't market to like a broader range of customers um, or MSP like businesses. I never know like the exact names for, for businesses anymore, but kind of that managed service provider, IT service provider, et cetera. Yeah. You're, you, you focus exclusively on like the IT channel. Yeah. Um, so, you know my my client who who's a plumber he can't he can't do this and and get customer satisfaction surveys sent out to his clients 
I mean, if he somehow used like ConnectWise Manage Autotask or Kaseya um, to get feedback from his clients or to manage his business, then 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 he could. Then he would be acting like someone in the IT channel. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't think there are that many plumbers using um, ConnectWise Manage. But Probably if not. there are any listening to the Rocket MSP <laughs> podcast, we want to talk to. That's hilarious. All right, so <laughs> you said that. You said that you you basically integrate with ConnectWise, Autotask, Kaseya BMS. Um, why not Synchro? Uh, well, so we and we actually also integrate with Zendesk and Freshdesk because uh, there's like a small segment of MSP-like uh, businesses on those platforms, but that's not really the core focus of our business. So we usually talk about Autotask. Kaseya and uh, ConnectWise, those are the big three, I guess you could call them. Mm -hmm. um, so historically, we've really been concentrated on ConnectWise Manage. Uh, the only reason we're not on Synchro and some of the other ones, TigerPaw, et cetera, is just because we've started with this year, actually really trying to build out uh, onto different markets or platforms. So we have a roadmap of all the, all the PSA platforms or whatever you want to call them that we're planning. Um, we're doing about, I mean, it'll depend how it goes, but we're trying to do about three a year now. So Kaseya was the first one this year. Uh, and then we're looking right now uh, at Halo PSA actually is on our short list. Uh, Synchro is on our short list and ServiceNow is on our short list currently. I would say that um, I, I don't have any experience with Halo. I feel like and I think Halo focuses more on Europe, right? Yeah. So I I do have them coming on, I believe in August, I've got them coming. So, you know, I'll get to learn more about them then. But until then, like, they don't exist to me. Like, uh, no. <laughs> so now you've just so, offended Britain. So we've got Canada, I'm, and the UK. I'm, I'm working on the whole earth today, guys, okay? We're just going to, we're going <laughs> to knock them all out. How many countries are there? Like 50, I, I know there's like 186 one, or something. Right? I don't, I don't one, remember. USA. <laughs> yeah, USA. You, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> all right, so <laughs> I feel like um, Synchro should be like highest on your list. And I feel like Atera should be higher on that short list. So we have Atera. Sorry, I have a doorbell. Uh, right now, it's okay. that's what that noise is. I in forgive the your doorbell. Thank you. Thank Do you. you. Need this to go answer it. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't know who it could be. If they do it one more time, then yes, I will answer it. Um, okay. Three's three's the charm. So yes, yeah, so is on the long list as well. Uh, basically, we've we've looked at all the platforms, done analysis against them, um, and we have an assessment criteria. But a lot of it too is just who have we been talking with um, recently? And so there's just a level of like Kaseya was we definitely wanted to go there first. Um, and the reason the reason we've been talking to Halo is because of the proximity to us, um, because we both live in Germany. Sense. Yeah, it's going to Amia. Um, events and stuff. It makes a lot of sense for a thing like Halo. But Atira is interesting as well because they're in Israel. Um, we've had a few conversations with them through a mutual, I guess, an influencer we could call them in the space, Richard Tubb. So yeah, they're an emergent player and we're pretty interested. Um, but I'm curious why you think Synchro is number one. Um, it's, it's kind of up and coming. 
you know, it's, uh, they've, they've really grown. They've really expanded over the last couple of years. Their development cycle is absolutely insane. Um, I, I will, I will say that, um, based on feedback I'm seeing online, I, I'm not going to name names, but I'm sure if you're smart enough to peruse Facebook, uh, the groups, you can find some names. There are people that are unhappy with the with the development speed because, in their opinion, the development uh, they kind of miss things. So I guess backup. The they just recently launched Synchro Backup, and it sounds like there might have been some issues with that. I I guess in in my opinion, I would be like testing backup for the first few months that a brand new thing is launched i wouldn't i wouldn't be trying to deploy this out to my clients yet that's my opinion though you know brand new product and all so and and it sounds like some people are wishing that there would be some like quality of life enhancements and uh, needs versus wants and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I, I think you'll find people that complain about every platform though. Right. Um, like I, I know plenty of people that complain about ConnectWise. plenty of people complain about Autodesk. So I just like to, to tell the full story. Um, I, I would say that Synchro is the one that, I don't think is going to take private equity money anytime soon. Mm. So that's the one that I would be most comfortable running the MSP on unless you are like, you know, big time and need something like a Datto or a ConnectWise. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the private equity can really change the dynamics too of how the uh, the organization treats their uh, their their partner MSPs. Um, so, and why do you think they won't take private equity money? Uh, when I spoke with the, I think he's COO Ian Alexander on on this podcast, he he didn't say like we one hundred percent will never take private equity money, but he basically said like we're really happy doing this on our own right now and. We have no plans. We're not like trying to get acquired. We're we we like what we do. Cool. That's cool. So and and Yates, I mean, in the in the comments here, he's right. You know, Dado is very affordable, built for profitability. Um, I just I know that a lot of people are leaning towards tools like Synchro and Atera because uh, you you pay per technician, and all of the endpoints are unlimited. Like you can have a million endpoints in there or you can have 12 and your cost is still going to be, you know, 120 bucks a, a user, uh, a month. Mm -hmm. So, and it tears the same way. I just don't remember their pricing. All right. So we talked about kind of what you integrate with and, and that's really cool. Helpful. Um, so does Smileback have any investors? No. So we're, uh, the, the, I, the things we're saying about Synchro sound a lot like Smileback, uh, although we're not really, there's no threat of a private equity firm trying to buy us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> threat. Uh, no. So we, we're fully bootstrapped. 
Um, so all, so everything we've done has just been through the investments of the ownership group, uh, and so that's five people, uh, myself included. Um, and yeah, we're so yeah, we're fully bootstrapped. We intend to be fully bootstrapped forever. Um, and we we like similar to what what the Synchro guys said. We like doing what we do. We like doing it the way we do it. Um, so we're pretty we're pretty committed to that. Good for you. Thanks. What about what about development? Um, are you are your developers all employees? Are they contractors? Yeah. So we have. Um, so I mean, like we're not like we're a small company with a, a sort of small shop. Um, and yeah, everyone who works for us is an employee. Um, we have like some some a few contractors, so to speak, who do like small freelance jobs. Uh, but our our development team is based in the Ukraine. Uh, in Lviv, Ukraine, um, it's kind of like our second our second home. Uh, so I, well, before Corona, obviously, I used to go there quite a bit. Um, so we have a team of three uh, based in Lviv, and then we have one developer in Toronto, um, and we're adding one more actually later this year. Um, and yeah, so they're I mean they're technically contractors, but they're like full time employee contractors, and there's some very specific reasons about the way um, you set up businesses in you in Ukraine that that they are contractors but like for all intents and purposes they're full-time employees okay and it sounds like uh, most if not all of the team is in Europe uh, we're actually quite spread out um, so we have we have but yeah mostly the the team lives in Europe. So we have Jameson West, who's uh, the chair of our board and and pretty involved as far as chair of boards go. So he's in Las Vegas. And we have uh, Adrian, who's in Toronto. And then I think everyone else is in Europe, right, Roy? Yep. Yeah. Most of us yeah. are in Berlin. And then we have Natan, who's uh, in Paris. Yeah, in Paris. Sure. So we're in five countries. And yeah, we're planning on hiring one more uh, stateside, as Roy would say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here, um, to just have a little bit more physical presence once that becomes a thing again in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're we're really like a fully remote company um, in most senses. But yeah, our team is is centralized. So I know that some people might think this question's off the wall, but I'm going to ask you: Are you able to guarantee like data sovereignty? Where's, where's the data stored for when people reply to surveys? Yeah, so we do, and it can get quite complicated because we have customers all over the world who have different um, data requirements. Um, so for, um, and so it really depends where, where the customer is to, as to where their data center could be. For the most part, um, everything's based on American law, but we also support all GDPR compliance uh, in terms of data regulations. Um, so the short answer to your question is yes. Excellent. And and for those of you that are wondering why I asked such a bizarre question, um, just because it's a survey on how we did doesn't mean a customer won't say, hey, thanks so much for helping me get back into Joe Biden's health records because, holy <laughs> yeah. cow, he has this really, really bad cancer <laughs> and we need to 
we need to get him taken care of right away. So thank you. So like you have no yeah. idea what dumb things people and will say in surveys. And just true. to clarify, I have no idea if he has cancer, uh, <laughs> fake news. Okay, guys. Um, <laughs> So, so you have no idea what, what dumb things people will put in their surveys. So we need to be able to, um, say it's, it's going to be kept confidential, private, secure, et cetera. Yeah. And actually the example you just gave is literally Rory and I do confront that sometimes with customers. Cause for instance, um, you know, sometimes with, with new prospects, they ask us if we're HIPAA compliant and it's mm -hmm. like, I, I never know how to answer because it's not as if HIPAA applies to us. However, there is this bizarre use case where someone might actually say something like that and put data that we, we, should, we have no business having in a survey response, right? Um, and so then we just need to be able to go through a HIPAA checklist and say, you know, we don't collect uh, personally identifiable data to a certain degree. We definitely don't collect health data. However, we could um, incidentally acquire it. And in the event that uh, it, then it needs to be encrypted through when it's in transit, we need a mechanism by which we could destroy it, all those kind of things that come with any kind of good data governance program, let's call it. However, we don't like, we don't try to be HIPAA compliant. We're just incidentally HIPAA requirement where it matters. Um, and then, and also the European data standards tend to be significantly higher uh, than the American mm -hmm. ones. So um, usually if we're good on, on that stuff, then we're good um, on the American legislation as well. Now, I should say I'm not an expert will, on this, but. I understand. So will you guys sign a BAA for those people looking for the HIPAA compliance? Yeah. Yeah. Now I've got to ask the dumb question. Uh, you're, you're in Germany or Paris or Ukraine. Like how, how the hell do we come after you if there's a breach? <laughs> Well, that's where we are. Um, so I would be personally liable as like the de facto chief security officer, I think. Um, but the Smileback is an American company. So we're incorporated in the US. So they would go after the American entity. Um, and so it would be just like going after anyone else. We would just have significant um, costs in terms of flying to the US in order to be punished. <laughs> I don't know. I think I might fly somewhere else where they don't yeah. have extra. Or yeah. <laughs> Venezuela seems real nice right about now. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So let's see. We talked about compliance. Do, do you, um, I know that you said you've got a checklist that you go through. Is there anything that you guys are able to? provide to prospective customers if they like need some type of proof besides the BAA? Yeah. So usually, I mean, so we have our data privacy on our website, um, which people can read through all of that. Usually that's not enough for anyone who's, who's serious about it, like who has in, um, intense requirements. We've talked Rory and I about building out kind of um, something that covers all cases. What I find usually is it's industry specific. So usually the MSP that comes to us, they have their own checklist and I just do the gotcha. due diligence with, with, with um, the tech team um, and go through it. Um, can't always answer all the questions, but we always try to, and usually we can figure it out um, by the end. And, and usually our general practices are good enough um, and yeah. cover all the, all the use cases. It just takes a little bit of back and forth. Sure. 
Now, with with your integrations to the PSAs, um, what kind of information are you able to access? Uh, for example, like I know for that for sure you got to get like the ticket number, so that way you can associate the survey with the appropriate ticket. But like through the API, you could hypothetically also be accessing title, description, notes, time entries. So I wouldn't be the best person, nor would Rory, to comment on the specifics of that. Like the tech team and the customer team would know exactly what we're looking at. Um, but they do, we ask for, like in the setup of Smileback, and then also if you use MPS, we ask for additional permissions. And so the user has to go into the PSA, um, give us permit permission for these things, and we identify what we're asking for. Um, at the outset, so they can always see at least what information they're providing to Smileback and what authorizations they're giving. Because with the MPS yeah. integration, we do pull contacts in um, so that we can send them surveys instead of it being ticket-based, it can be what we call campaign-based. Um, and then with that, we definitely take more information. We look at more information through the API from the PSA. So we would not be able to say that you're zero knowledge just because you've got the knowledge, you know, you've, you've got the stuff accessible. Um, but it's not the, the end of the world. If that's the case, that's fine. Um, two FA, MFA, single sign on any of that stuff. Two FA, two FA, MFA, uh, no single sign on, although it is something we okay. we've thought about. Yeah. That'd be real cool if if I could like, you know, be signed into uh, your tool just because I'm signed into my PSA. I, yeah. I don't know if I, the PSA would also have to support that. So who knows? It would probably need to be something more like Microsoft uh, 365 where you're using that as the SSO. Yeah, that's what usually our customers ask for. They, they're ha I'm, I should get up to speed actually on where uh, the PSAs are with a single sign-on. Um, but similar to the story you told at the beginning, I'm reticent to um, to use that functionality or or technology until it's a little more mature and stable from the PSAs, uh, just because it's like that's how people are going to get into the product and what people don't want sure. is friction uh, being able to to use a product like ours. Uh, but obviously the Microsoft single sign-on is, is a mature, stable product. Okay. So I, th I think we've talked about enough technical stuff. Um, let's, let's talk pricing. So this, this is, uh, you know, it's just surveys. So it's like, you know, MailChimp, the first thousand contacts are free, right? <laughs> no. It's so the, the way <laughs> the way the way we price is we have a model that's based off of what we call the number of agents. Um, in most cases, mm -hmm. it's the number of technicians you have. Um, and we do it in pricing tiers. So everybody has access to all the same features and everything in Smileback and support. It's just so basically like for our smallest plans, which are for one up to five agents, it starts at $99 per month. And then um, if you pay annually, it, it comes out to 990. So it's always cheaper to pay annually. And then the pricing scales by about 30 to 40 bucks per month as you move up the tiers. So of course, as 
you become a bigger MSP, you're obviously paying a lot more out throughout the year, but like your price per user goes down substantially um, versus if you're smaller, you get in at like the entry price of 99. So, so a thousand bucks a year just to know my customers love me sounds kind of steep. I mean, I guess it depends on how you see it. Um, and certainly for, for some people, it, they do see it that way. Others often tell us, you know, they would pay any amount of money, um, especially if you could do this with the data. Uh, but those are usually like really big MSPs who, who are very sophisticated operationally. And so that in that those pillars I talked about earlier is I do think a thousand bucks a year would be cheap or sorry, not cheap, would be steep um, <laughs> if, uh, if all you're doing is collecting data. But yeah. once you move into the more sort of sophisticated analysis of the data, gathering insights, learning about your business through the data, and then actioning it, especially if you can start to operationalize and use the automations mm -hmm. to make workflows around it, um, then I think actually the price is quite good, uh, but it is very much what you make of it, right? So I, I think about it less as cost and more as value. And that's also why we try to be a consultative uh, partner so that we can help educate on where the value is so that we are delivering um, on the on on the cost that, that we are. And there are other tools on the market if you do want to just kind of pay per survey um, and, mm -hmm. and look at it more as a cost center than a value center. Um, and, and I think that's actually one of the benefits of, of the market for customer feedback in the MSP space is it's, it's quite mature, right? There are quite a few players, there are quite a few options. So, um, the, the market can, you know, the individual can decide what they're looking for. Um, and, you know, smaller MSPs who really want to get serious about feedback, I think a hundred dollars is a pretty fair price and it's worth it. Uh, and then we kind of call it pay as you grow, right? As you become more sophisticated, mm -hmm. your needs change as you grow as a business. Typically, you use us more and more. You need us more and more, and and the price grows with you, so that we we are giving value to the cost. I mean, most people have a, some version of a free survey, usually not very good, within their PSA. So the reason they pay is not really just for the survey. It's it's very much how it plugs into everything and, and all the extras they get out of it. So I'm gonna just just because I'm, I'm not trying to throw you guys under a bus. There are several like big names when it comes to uh, NPS, CSAT type stuff. So um, I think the, the other big two would be Kruhu and SimpleSat. And then there's another one that uh, I used when I was being cheap and it's Customer Thermometer. <laughs> um, have you guys you guys have heard of and gone up against oh, all yeah. of those? I suspect. No, them are, are well. there others. Yeah, that so biz rating, biz rating okay. on ConnectWise for sure um, is a player in the game. We we definitely compete with um, the as Rory said the internal like the PSA surveys, but those are as he said you know usually you're graduating so to speak um, mm -hmm. to us because you're like oh okay I've done surveys now. I need more, right? I, I understand the power of feedback and I need to be able to leverage it is what they're thinking. Um, and so, but we do indirectly compete with them. Um, and so those, I would say those, yeah, those are the big players, all, all the ones you named. And kind of to the point about the maturity of the marketplace around feedback, everyone has slightly a different uh, value proposition. So crew is very much focused on employee engagement, right? And so using feedback to drive outcomes within your team. Um, and mm. I think 
it's a very good product um, and we definitely compete with them um, in an interesting way because we don't do the same thing. We, uh, the way Smileback is set up is so that um, you use feedback to drive your bottom line, to drive your business, to drive your client relationships. Crew, it's like, my problem is I want to drive my employees. Smileback, you're coming to us if you want to drive business outcomes. And so, but I would say like, we're both high quality, highly consultative, want to be partners, you know, good feature development, um, deep technical integration, all of that, you know, we're in the community in the space. SimpleSat is more, uh, what's the word, like down market, so that they're, they go more broad. So they're, they have integrations with like almost everything, their feature set is quite broad, but not very deep. Um, and they're definitely like focused on price. And so they're they're a good bet if you want to be able to do a lot of things, not in the same rich, sophisticated way, um, and you don't want to spend a lot of money. And then Cutser Thermometer, uh, who we, we like quite a bit, um, and sometimes actually even refer clients there, um, if they're not the right fit for us, they're the kind of model you said earlier in terms of like, I just want price, a guarantee on price, so I can send X amount of surveys. Um, so they're in a whole different model in terms of how they're they're looking at the marketplace. And then biz ratings is very much focused on marketing. Um, and so they are kind of like a one feature uh, for the most part is how do you get Google reviews um, from, from feedback? We actually have that same feature um, as, as they do. It's just we don't focus as we look more at the whole system and that's one piece of the system where they're like no 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 we want to at least that's my understanding of it all uh we want to focus on the outcome of increased marketing presence and everything's geared toward that outcome would you say that's right Rory? all right yeah that's pretty accurate and that's that's awesome because i was going to ask you like you know what's your unique selling proposition and if you could just say the that again, because I don't want to mess it up. Like people use Smileback because they want they want to drive business outcomes, right? They want to improve okay. their client relationships and and drive commercial outcomes. I would say. And what are you doing differently to disrupt the markets, the marketplace from these other competitors of yours? I mean, I I'd say that we just really focus on that value proposition. Um, and that the way this, it's the systemized approach to feedback. Um, it's, we don't have any, I don't think like we have like a killer feature. It's just really elegantly set up so that it can integrate really nicely into your business and that you can see in real time and through deeper analysis, this is the health of my relationships with my clients. I can see these, these customers are really loyal and committed, um, you know, and I can do interesting things with them now. I can build case studies. I can ask for referrals, do things like that. Whereas these customers are perhaps at risk of, of uh, what we call churning or, or of customer loss of, of failed customer retention. Um, and so the entire system is set up so that you can see those, you can get that data, you can see that data, understand that data, and then you can do things with it, whether it's addressing potential negative outcomes or accelerating positive outcomes. Hmm. I like it. Thanks. All right. Well, I feel like, um, I, I've learned, you know, enough, if you will, about the company to to know, like, and trust what you guys are doing. Um, what I'd like to do now is 
I want to I want to get kind of a demo, but I also want to understand while we're doing that demo, like why should we care about surveys? You know, why why should the surveys be the way they look? And what should we be doing once we get surveys from our clients? Good questions. Yeah, definitely. Rory. So whenever awesome. you're ready, Rory. Yeah. All right, do you see it? We do. Oh, cool. Sweet. All right, cool. Yeah, so I think um, first and foremost, if you're thinking about like, what type of survey to send? So I know we all have been at the, the tail end of getting a survey. You know, I've been asked a million times probably to fill out the Microsoft satisfaction survey. Maybe only done it when you were really, really pissed off about something that happened. Um, you get it all the time in your experience. It's like even ordering food, you get a survey. So I think really just looking fundamentally, what's the kind of best mindset to have when designing any survey? I think it really comes down to simplicity um, and integrating it into like your day-to-day -day work. So in an MSP context, it, it makes the most sense that, you know, somebody has an issue, they raise a ticket. Now you want to get a feeling for their sentiment on how that experience went now that it's resolved. So survey them in that resolution email they should be already getting, letting them know that their issue is resolved. Um, with Smileback, we'll focus very much on making it as simple as possible. Um, what you find is the more complexity you add to the survey, the, the less people that respond. Um, you, you tend to you skip the extremes that you probably would have gotten if you didn't even do a survey, where maybe you have a customer that really loves you and wants you to let you know, or more often than not, you have a customer that really hates you and wants you to know. Uh, but you miss like the you know the the other like ninety interactions you had that day where somebody could just validate with clicking uh, you know um, with one click to let you know that they were happy with that experience uh, or, or give you an idea. Um, so in this case, I think with the small back design of survey, we look to, to have it simple. We actually get an average of 42% response rate. So um, that means uh, the way we calculate it is by you know, the number of people who open an email and see a face, 42% will actually click it and give you feedback. So it's usually a lot more than, than a lot of surveys out there. And definitely in my experience, more than anybody's getting usually just using the built-in survey. Oftentimes the built-in surveys make people follow a link. They're just not designed as intuitively. Um, and yeah, I think it's just very self-explanatory. And this this method you see everywhere now, it's going through, when you're going through TSA, they want you to click a, a smiley face to let them know if you had a good experience. So this approach people are very familiar with and, and trained to where if I'm happy, I'm going to click green. I had a positive experience. Maybe if you're upset or it's unresolved, you'll click red. Um, and if it's, you know, somewhere in between where, you know, you're not, you're not super upset, you're not that happy, maybe you have some constructive criticism, you can click that and, and give feedback. Um, when somebody clicks the, the the survey here, they're then given the chance to, to leave a comment. Um, there's a lot of temptation, I think, when people come here, especially um, MSPs, where they go, well, now can we ask them uh, how they felt about this part of the service and this level and this and this, and then just start adding the complexity that then goes back to kind of the, the reverses the whole point of using a, a simple survey in the first place, is that you want to get a high level of engagement. You want to make it as easy and accessible for your customers so that you get enough data and enough responses that you can then follow on and actually assess and analyze and learn and take action on it. Um, 
Um, so yeah, people are able to, to leave an additional comment if they like. It's completely optional. They can drop off. They can do whatever they want at this point, and uh, you'll still get this response. Um, and yeah, the question is just very open-ended. Get their initial sentiment. And then things we've added is um, for the ability for your customer when it's a positive response, so that's when this toggle can be enabled, where um, you, they, can give you, they give you permission to use their name and comment in your public marketing. And we actually just introduced a website widget that you can publish that positive comment with the customer's name and company name if you'd like. You have some options. Um, and put that on your website. So that's one element we found. I think kind of the question of, well, why should we collect feedback? Well, I think predominantly just to see how your customers are doing and if they're happy and to catch issues. But when it comes to actually seeing growth in the business and you know getting a return on the investment of using a system like this, it's being able to use these testimonials uh, out in public because you know people are going to go visit your website. Why not have it show in front and center? Also using these testimonials gives you the chance to repackage these you want in your sales materials. Um, I just talked to somebody yesterday who's like, you know, we do a monthly sales webinar. We're just going to open with the best feedback that came in. Uh, to just kind of really set the layer of, you know, we're going to tell you everything we do and all the service we could bring you, but here's kind of the quality of service you can expect. Um, yeah, and then the second box is for them to be taken to your Google My Business page where, you know, their comments are already copied. They can paste it, give you five stars, and, and leave a comment there. And that's something we've added just out of demand by our customers. I think for a lot of MSPs, um, having a presence on Google is important, but more important, it's just that's kind of the first place or a key place people will look for social proof before they get on the phone or while they're considering using you. So we wanted to build build it, build it up there. Awesome. So let's say, and I don't know what your demo is able to do and what it's not, but let's mm -hmm. pretend we've we've gotten... I don't know, a dozen or a few dozen or whatever people providing feedback. Like, now what? <laughs> so, yeah, so you've collected a, a decent amount of responses. <laughs> so then it all, it all feeds in here. Um, and I think, so what we looked at was, again, we're focusing on the three pillars. It's, you know, it's collecting, it's getting the data. That's what the survey is really engineered around. Um, then what becomes key is really looking at, um, uh, how do you assess it? How do you learn from it? How do you take all of these insights and um, um, turn them into something that you could see overall? Um, some people, you know, do have their own built-in surveys or they build their own type of survey and they collect the feedback, but then it just lives somewhere and it's just a giant pile of data and it's really hard to learn from. So then nothing gets done. And it's like, well, then what was the point of even bothering your customers with the survey in the first place if you can't even use the feedback? So that's what our real, like the web app, this application is for. Um, the dashboard is, I think, answers very much the high level questions it's like how are we doing overall um so you're able to see um we have a net csat score which is calculated as like percent of positive reviews minus percent of negative um i think what's important here is that if you use kind of established metric like this then it's easier for you to benchmark um across industry so even if you if you know other small back users you can uh if we put you in a group you can compare or even just be able to look and be like hey you know i'm in ohio uh, msps in ohio tend to be on average 97 for a net csat score we're at 85 clearly we, we have some work to do so being able to compare and have um something to look at and then I, like have the a metric you can compared to over time. So if you're running this for a year, it's easier for you to see, um, you know, when a client has a 60 net CSAT score and most of your clients are at 90, that's a, that's a sign that maybe there's something wrong with either the client or just how you're handling them. 
And yeah, this is the this quick overview to see how you're doing overall, what's positive or negative coming in. Um, leaderboards are fun ways just to be like, who on the team is getting really high scores? And I mean, um, yeah, looking at client companies, who's the happiest? Or, you know, if you're setting up on, like, if you have, you know, if you're surveying both the service desk and also projects or sales, or you have just different areas of the business, how do those compare and being able to, to digest that? Very cool. Now, and, I think I, okay. I rattled off another question when when we first started doing this, and I think it it has escaped my mind. How frustrating. Please continue. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so yeah, that's the high level. Um, I think just so you know on kind of a granular level, and this is really the main information we're, we're, we're pulling when, when somebody gives a, a response, it's I think predominantly what you're looking for is you just want to get an idea of like who's giving this feedback, who's working the ticket, and you're like the relevance to the situation. So we're looking at like a link back to the ticket. So you can actually just go back into ConnectWise or whatever PSA you're using, the, the ticket topic so people have some reference of what that is about. Segment is like board, contact is who who gave the review, where they're working at, and then who on your team is getting credit so that you know these are the people that get their bonus if you have a KPI that CSAT versus those who get some training if it's quite low. Um, and that's all done automatically. So I think um, for a tool, it's actually quite low maintenance. It's something you set up, you can let run in the background. You can set up automation rules, which I'll show, which is like, you know, if somebody isn't happy, how do we how do we make something happen so that we respond in the moment? But other than that, it's something you can collect and then assess uh, uh, when needed weekly or, or monthly or, or whatever the case is. Um, and then on this page, you're able to segment down. So I think it's 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 good to know how you're doing overall, but then it becomes really useful to dig down on, on different layers. If you want to see like, maybe you're about to go do a business review with your most important client, why don't you just pull up what feedback came in over whatever period of time you, you want to discuss, just so you have an idea of what issues might've come up or, or what you can bring into it or you're using it for technician training, then you can uh, pull up individual technician and then be able to walk through the feedback that came in and then layering on those, those different elements as well. Very nice. Now, yeah. I, I just got to beat you up a little bit because I think that um, MSPs that have been using some of the competition would would say to you, yeah, but such and such tool does all this too. So why should I switch? So, wait, Wallace, were you going to say something? Yeah, no, you go ahead. I'll I'll fill in my opinion. <laughs> so, so I mean, obviously, it it's, we it depends on the specific platform they're using or or, or that they looked at. Um, for one thing, it's it's. This the product is very much built around the MSP use case, which is going to give you certain features that are are, are quite interesting, like. For example, say you are an MSP and you do put a lot of weight into your business reviews and you want them to be more powerful. Um, it's not necessarily that whatever platform you're using is going to enable you to uh, be able to put together a report on that client that you can then bring into that discussion. So um, it, like that's one element where... Um, yeah, you're just looking at like the specific use case in this case. So this one here is like, okay, we're looking at client PDF report. And now this is like very specific to the context. This is very much built around that, like, the idea of the business review and being able to elevate the conversation. Um, I think where a lot of the power comes as well is uh, 
how deep the integration is with the PSA you're using. Um, so it's obviously anybody could use probably any survey platform if they don't care if it integrates with their, with their PSA. Um, but you, mm-hmm. you do want it to integrate because one, you want it tied to your day-to-day work. <laughs> you know, like what, what doesn't make sense necessarily to just send off random surveys to your customers. It makes sense to have it tied to a, a ticket status change. Um, and then with the deep integration, you do have things where it's like, okay, now say, like not only am I using a survey tool to collect or like this feedback system to collect feedback and learn from my customers, but now I'm also, it's so deep into my workflow. If somebody gives me a negative response, um, I can actually literally change the status of the ticket or move it to a different board or even you know tie it to a status that triggers a particular workflow um, so that it plugs in very nicely into your day-to-day. And it's like, this is yeah built into your machine, I think. Um, the industry ebbs and flows, but there's there's often uh, not wanting to have so many tools that are siloed. Um, you want them all to kind of play well together and work together. And with Smallback, whenever we do an integration, we do a, quite a deep integration where that it does really plug into your system. Yeah, and I would add, and, and the reason I paused there on the, um, I would be careful about switching, uh, even if you were thinking of switching <laughs> to Smileback. As much as we'd love to have, uh, if you're already using um, like a, a product, like say a Kruhu, um, you know, there's probably a lot of cost to your business to switching. Uh, just yeah. as if there was, there'd be a lot of cost from switching to Smileback to Kruhu. Um, and so it's more like, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Um, so my advice to that specific question, I mean, there's the unique. Um, features that we have, which which I think Rory showed nicely, which is the depth of integration, the depth of reporting, the depth of automations. Um, you know, we're, from what we understand, we're considered kind of the deepest uh, and the most systematic in our approach. And our MPS, which we haven't demoed yet, um, is, is mm-hmm. certainly the most robust. Uh, but that's because we are focused on the business outcomes. And so I would say if you're a, if you're an MSP who doesn't have a system and you're looking, you want to ask yourself, well, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? Am I trying to drive my business forward with feedback? Then Smileback, um, I think, is definitely the best. If you're trying and you can still engage your employees using Smileback, if your biggest problem is employee engagement, you can certainly use Smileback, but Crew is actually probably better at that. Um, where switching is important, I think, is when you want to go from, a, you want to up a level of sophistication, right? You want to go from um, using the inbuilt survey to something more sophisticated that really gives you that ability to analyze and leverage, as Rory's talked about, or if you're using a less sophisticated um, uh, solution, not the inbuilt one, but maybe your um, simple sats, your customer thermometer, if you're looking to, to add a layer of sophistication, kind of go upstream to a certain degree then i'd say that's that's what would would make you switch but i don't i don't as much as i would love to say or the whole market should use smileback there, there is significant cost to switching and so i think it's that's that's something that you should take lightly or sorry take uh, not too lightly and then when you're looking at which product do i want to use you should really be thinking about what is the problem you're trying to solve where are you in your trajectory i was reading through like the comments of Yates Network here while Rory was talking. And I actually, you know, I'm looking at this. I'm like, no, that sounds about right. You just onboarded a bunch of tools. Um, a thousand is a significant investment. So right now, you know, maybe maybe it's not the right time to onboard feedback. Maybe you get all those tools out there and then your next step is, okay, now I need feedback because I need to know my customers, how they feel about all these changes I've made 
to the services I provide. And now I need a tool like Smileback because I've established all these, you know, services I give my client and I need to know how effective am I at delivering all these services. And I think we caught 95% of that. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I hope it was the good 95%. <laughs> it, was, it was the best 95%. The best 95%. Um, all right. So you said we haven't seen the NPS portion yet, which I want to see that too. Um, I think, I think the biggest question I have is like, sometimes we MSPs love to get all of this information because we think the more, the better, you know, the more information, the better. And, and then, um, how, how do I... How do I even, I, you know, like helicopter parents, I, I feel like we could be helicopter parents, but with, with the CSAT stuff, like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, we got, we got a four star instead of a five star. Like now we have to go have a come to Jesus meeting with this, this technician because he did not provide a five star job. Like. Do do you have some MSPs that are a little crazy like that? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Roy, do you want, it looks like you're thinking about this. No, no. I think most people seem pretty reasonable. <laughs> I, I think that we, it's, it's all about, because it, it also depends on your business, how you use the feedback. And that's why we say just collecting the feedback is not enough. Um, so when I, um, in my previous life, I was a journalist and I ran um, online operations for big news media. Um, and we use the term vanity metrics a lot. Um, and I think that there is, and that's kind of in some ways similar to a helicopter parent in that, uh, but but different in that you're just getting data for data's sake. Um, and that's a step, mm. but it's not really a step to meaningful action, right? Just knowing your CSAT score is 100, like that's a good score, but if you're not doing anything about it, then it's not really, it's not working for you. You're not, you're not, you're not making meaning of the information and then it's just information. It's just data. Um, and so, and we do, um, one of the kind of funny things about us is like, we actually use our own product. Um, so we prototype a lot of the workflows that then we end up building into the product by virtue of what we do with our customers. Um, and so we, a lot of like the automations we've built are just things that we tried ourselves. Um, and especially around say MPS, we've been, cause it's, it's newer for us. And, and um, I think it's probably more of an emergent uh, function in the MSP space is we're trying to figure out, yeah, like how, how do we do this? Like, what do we action? Right. And so we've come up with some rules internally at Smileback um, that now we're, we've been consulting um, our customers on, and then we're in our, we have a new, like a whole new set of features coming out for MPS, uh, which we've internally called the big boy project. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's launching next month in May. And there, that's a, a result of a lot of the things that we've realized, oh, we need. Um, so things like um, following up to surveys, right? Maybe there's, you send out this survey and then you need a follow-up for particular, um, you know, say CEOs of, of companies, right? It's, it's more important to know what their loyalty is to your product uh, in a lot of ways because they're decision makers. 
things. Um, and so you need to have this level of segmentation, sophistication, and thinking around, well, what are we doing with the data and then work backwards, right? Why do we want to know this information? And then let's build, um, let's build workflows, let's build processes, let's build thinking and framework around that rather than just looking at everything as, as single transactions. Excellent. All right. Now let's talk NPS. I think that, uh, Yates Networks for... just, just said knowledge without application is dead. You also want to avoid information overload. Those are pretty good summations of what I just said. Now, now NPS, that stands for uh, Nintendo, PlayStation, Sony, right? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, NPS is net promoter score. Um, I think first question is why use it, especially if you, you already got CSAT data. So the idea behind yeah. net promoter score is it's as a, it's actually meant as a survey to measure more about how a customer feels about overall business relationship. Um, if we compare this with CSAT, so CSAT is, you know, it's like somebody has an issue, they raise a ticket, issues resolved. They click on a uh, you know, smiley face, they give you some feedback, and then you understand very well how they felt about that particular interaction and that particular transaction. What that can miss is, say, how um, your main decision maker who doesn't even put in any tickets just feels about your service overall and the impression they're getting from talking with people about your service. So the, the analogy we use is, um, say you're married and you go out on date night Friday night, a CSAT is asking, how happy are you with dinner tonight? Versus MPS is asking, oh, how, how happy are you in this marriage? So two uh, good questions to know, mm. but completely different scope of, of what you're really trying to gauge. Um, so it's also a different uh, approach you take when you do this type of survey. It's not based off of a ticket. It's not triggered based off of a particular action. The way um, we recommend our customers and, and uh, how we built the product to enable it, set it up is ideally setting up something like a, a quarterly campaign that goes out with your, your most important contacts, be it decision maker or approver or whatever kind of contact that is. Um, and what you can do is set it up where these campaigns run on their own. Our system goes and finds those right people and delivers them an email that looks something similar to, to this. So it'll ask them um, how likely they are to recommend you to a friend or colleague on a scale of zero to 10. Um, if somebody gives you a nine and 10, um, that's what they call like a promoter score. Um, it's somebody who's uh, very in a good position. They've obviously indicated they would recommend you. If you do have a referral program or want to build one out, and it's just some, often hard to like think how to strategically actually do that, um, this is a good way to do it. Survey your customers, uh, whoever gives you 9 or 10 or promoter score, uh, contact them and see if they know anybody that would be interested. Um, NPS as well is as a metric, as a lot of people call it as a loyalty metric. So it's a good indicator of whether or not somebody's going to stick around. Um, so people that are promoters are probably not going to run off to a competitor you know, at their renewal date uh, versus those who have a lower score might. So those, you know, seven and eight is the next branch down, which is more of like the passive stance, probably not nothing to worry about now, but keep an eye on. And six and below are, are detractors. So people that would not recommend you and are very much signaling that there's a disconnect between clearly the, the service you're providing and, and what they expect and how they feel about the overall relationship. And what we find is a, there's a lot of value when you run this over time and you get multiple responses, say from the same contact who routinely gives you a nine or a 10, and then one quarter just gives you a three or four. Um, that's a big sign that like something came up 
probably in the, within the last few months that completely changed their perspective. Um, and you might want to get involved and, and see. So I think that's the idea behind Net Promoter Score is trying to get the, the bigger picture and then combining that with CSAT to really understand how you're doing fundamentally on your day-to-day -day work and also how you're doing it managing the overall relationship. Hmm. All right. So we send it out quarterly, roughly, and they get an email that literally looks like this. They, they pick an option and nine and 10, you're, you're basically saying those are the ones that we should be like reaching out to, to, to say, all right, give me a referral. <laughs> if that's, if that's something you want to do, I know, cause I know a lot of MSPs, want to get more referrals they just don't know how um and this is one way right. one way we find that people can do it um you can also just yeah i think you don't necessarily want to hound people whenever they give it we, we as a practice pretty much like respond to most of our customers no matter what feedback they give us so if it's negative especially respond in the moment but if it's positive thank them um see how they're doing before me necessarily asking for for something yeah, we actually send um, personalized greeting cards um, that we've designed ourselves to everyone who gives us a, a promoter score of nine or 10 uh, on MPS and we all sign it, everyone on the team, um, or at least everyone who, this was before Corona times, we could actually see each other. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll do that. Um, and we uh, we also though do use the comments to identify case study uh, potential uh, because we find that's really good uh, co-marketing initiative with our customers and so they might say something interesting um, you know I really like this because I do this with it so for us that's a great opportunity to say you know hey Rocket MSP we noticed in your MPS comment uh, in your testimonial that you're doing this that's a really interesting use case would it be Great. It would be great for us if you wanted to do a case study that you could also then uh, we'll we'll create it and that you can also use it to market your own business. Very cool. All right. So, is there anything that we should see like on the back end of the NPS thing, or is it all in that same portal? We should show them the dashboard, right, Rory? Yeah. I just know on the demo, it can get a little bit flaky in terms of performance, <laughs> but that's why we made these fun bouncing smileys. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so basically, yeah, what we have there is, uh, it's a responses page. It's kind of just a separate dashboard that has specifically NPS data. I think the idea here is to be able to pull up your responses and, and pull up what's most interesting. If you want to sort by score or, or do it by contact or, or company. Um, and I think a lot of it is you're running these different campaigns. If you do want to, um, you're setting up by different contact types, you can do that and then check for the campaign and be able to look if there's different scores for particular different groups of people. Um, and then, yeah, most of the elements we have, like we're pulling, in this case, this is the ConnectWise uh, demo. So it's like, if you, know, you wanted to survey by location, you can do that as well, or a lot of people using marketing groups. But yeah, everything lives here and it's the same, same sort of process of, you know, you've collected the data, now look at it, assess it, and then from there, take action. And hmm. with MPS, you're really, and it's really set up for segmentation. That's why there's all the filtering capabilities by the contacts themselves so that you can, you know, if you use company status or company type a lot in, uh, or yeah, contact type in, in ConnectWise or whatever the equivalent is in your PSA, then you can, those segments you've already created to help you understand your business, you can map MPS against those. Um, and, you know, 
you can think of a lot of, especially with larger MSPs, uh, but small ones as well. The use cases of, you know, I want to see if I have multiple sites, how one site does versus another, or I have different business lines, um, and I want to see my MPS on this business line versus this business line versus this one. Or as Roy was talking about earlier, if you want to differentiate your segments around, you know, say decision makers or CEO, CEO level versus kind of um, a more operational level versus the rank and file of a company um, that's um, that's filing tickets or using your services. Hmm. I don't see anything I don't like yet, guys. <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's it's hard to dislike something that's just so easy. That's um, what we try to do. Yeah, you you try to dislike things. Um, well, we try to take the pain first by uh, testing it on ourselves, <laughs> and then that way, uh, the 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 people who give us the money uh, don't dislike anything, and it's easy. Got it. Got it. Well, is is there anything else that we should know about Smileback? I feel like you know, as as much as I like talking with you guys i mean this is such a simple concept that i i don't know that we could like drag it out much longer unless there's some hidden feature we don't know about no i think the only thing is that you know we're um which probably you can tell just by the conversation we think about feedback a lot uh probably mm -hmm. uh weirdly so um and so and we've been around for a while so anyone who wants to talk feedback like rory uh, and his team my customer team or even me um we're happy to chat so um if anyone just wants to talk a shop like it's we're not like a hard sales organization so you can you can reach out anytime um we're happy we're happy to just talk shop uh or if you're interested in um potentially doing a trial or having a demo or signing up then then you can do that too so we're just we're around excellent all right so any questions from from the few of you that are that are watching I I, th I feel like we've we've exhausted everything. I think I've offended as many people as I can possibly offend. Um yeah. Are there are there any other questions that you guys get asked a lot that I haven't asked you? Hmm. Probably. Let me think. I mean, it's we we get asked a lot of questions about our roadmap. Um, and so, um, and that's actually one of the things I, as a product guy, really like about this space is we get a lot of feedback, positive and negative. Um, so we have a public roadmap, which we've created so that people can see where we're going and they provide input. Um, what do we usually get asked about? We get, uh, we get, we get a lot of questions about the surveys themselves. Um, and I really, really hit on it a lot around like the importance of frictionless a frictionless experience yeah. for the end user but i would say that that's like an objection we often have to handle is well why can't i make it more customized and um and so that's that's an interesting conversation for us and the reason we've done it this way is because uh, and Rory hit on all the points, but you know if you use an established methodology with a standardized design 
then it's much easier to analyze it, right? Because you can do that against the practices and against industries, and you can benchmark the data, you can understand um, the data because it's standardized and established. And so that's the reason we've we've made that choice and we've very made a very explicit choice around it's the simpler to the design, the more responses you get. And so, you know, it's this balance between how many people are going to respond, how many people will provide a comment um, versus, you know, getting like maximal feedback, which would be a 20, you know, um, 20 question survey, which has a time and a place, um, but uh, it's not something you want to be sending to your customers all the time. Most people start off at the very beginning of being introduced to, to this, like very concerned about not having follow-up questions and all this. And then once they started, like start trying it out and they see how much feedback they get, they, they never bring it up again. <laughs> That's what I found on this side. Yeah. I, I was a little gun shy when I started using a tool like this because I didn't want to be like annoying the, the end users, you know? So I, I was hesitant to send out the NPS survey. I was hesitant to add this to the PSA. Um, I, I eventually did. And then um, I found that on average, 3% of the time it got clicked. Three? Just so three? 3% of the time. So how, how do we... If we're if we're getting low clicks because our customers never read our ticket emails because they're a-holes, how do we get them to do it better? Yeah, so that is a question we get a lot. Three percent is very low, but um, so we through content we because there's a piece of of that's not just the survey itself, but there's kind of the culture or the practices you're creating as an MSP or any business with mm -hmm. your customer. And so there's things that do need to be done. Unfortunately, it's not just set it and forget it. Um, and so, yeah, we do have a bunch uh, and our customer team could speak better to this of tactics and strategies that we, especially through our onboarding, try to impart to to the user, but also offer in terms of uh, customer calls with with our customer team or through our content hub, um, you know. And I'm not I'm not an expert on all those, so I think I would encourage customers to go to the content hub and read through that. Um, but yeah, there are a bunch of things that you need to do to kind of um, on the business relationship side and to onboard your clients to the fact that you're asking for feedback. But the number one thing that we found that increases the response rate is by when a customer responds to a survey um, it has meaning so if they give you a negative like a, a red face on a csat survey you need to respond right like why do you give me a red face we'd love to fix this or you know hey rory i saw that you said that you thought i was rude um you know i'm really sorry to hear that um you know we're doing this this and this to fix this or you know, the issue wasn't resolved in a timely fashion. We're doing this, this, and this to improve our response times, things like that. That's really what drives response because they see that it's in their interest to respond to your surveys. Um, and so that takes some time. But yeah, usually what we find is customers who have really good processes built around the feedback. So actioning specific types of feedback tend to get a high response rate and increase the response rate because the end user, the client, goes, oh, this is in my interest. If I give them this feedback, they do things with it and my life gets better. And and I just want to add to that. When 
when you get something that says, I thought you were rude, um, one, don't reply with that gif we all know and love that says, yeah, well, that's like your opinion, man. Um, and, and, and also, don't reply with, like, excuses, okay? Like, it's one thing to, like, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I was having a, a rough day, and I shouldn't have taken it out on you, and it sounds like I did. I'm sorry. Like, that's one thing. But but when you're but when you're like, yeah, my my kid did this and my dog did that, and it's like, they don't give a shit, man. Just own it, apologize, and fix the problem. And and, and I think and the interesting that's going thing to too go, is when when someone takes the time to write that to you, especially if they don't write it in like a really nasty way, like they're actually saying they value the relationship, right? Because they're mm -hmm. giving you that feedback and giving you it in a way that you can action it. And even if you don't agree with it, like they're what they're actually communicating is I value this relationship enough to tell you. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like you need to take it as like, oh, this is an opportunity. This is actually interesting opportunity because this person has taken time out of their day to, to tell me this in a productive way. Um, and so it's, it's really seeing it in a different light. And then also, because to loop back to one of the things you said earlier, um, it's also the organization understanding that don't punish your agents for getting negative feedback, like figure out what it means and what to do about it. Uh, because that can also be a problem, right? It's if you create a culture where getting a piece of so-called negative feedback is seen as bad, as opposed to seen as an opportunity. Absolutely. I, I have a, a colleague, um, older gentleman runs his own MSP, ISP, like he, he's doing all kinds of stuff. Cool dude. And, he never has a problem. His customers never have a problem, but there are opportunities that he always has uh, available for him to take advantage of. Or what? I, I never know, like what how you how you wrap that sentence up when it's an opportunity. But I understand. I understand what he's going for, and it's it's much like you know with with my accountability groups. Um, we don't, we don't like, we, we talk about our wins every week and I don't want us to talk about our losses or the bad things. I want us to talk about our challenges, you know, because a challenge can be overcome a loss. You, you, you lost, you know, you're it's done. So, so it's okay to have challenges. It's okay to have opportunities. And that's what, one of these negative scores or negative responses can be is just a, Hey, get your shit together, man. Yeah. And that's definitely. okay because maybe you just need to hear it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. And I think to it, I, I agree with your point. Like it's, something that's a, just a straight loss is boring, right? Because there's nothing to do with it, you know? And, and there's been times with my customer team, you know, where we, someone, someone had just responded once to something, fuck you. Um, and, and my team said, what do you do with this? And I was like, nothing, because that's just about them having a bad day and yeah. just let it go. You know what I mean? Like there, it's not interesting because there's nothing to do with it. Uh, you know, it may work a little spicy that day. Um, but, you know, you want to, you want to look for the, <laughs> 
the, the things that you can make, I, like I like this concept of making meaning of, and I, I love that too about the peer groups is where you go and you're like, these are the challenges I'm facing. You know, we're, we're an Evolve member and um, this is what we're working on. How are other people facing these challenges? You know, we're going to be open and transparent and vulnerable about them and how are we addressing them? Um, and and I, I think that's pretty unique in the MSP space and is a pretty, a pretty cool thing, this, this peer group. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, uh, Andrew, Rory. I really appreciate having both of you guys on here. I can't wait for you to announce, you know, your your next few integrations and and all these new features you guys are going to add that we shouldn't have. Like, when are you going to add dark web scanning? <laughs> Why would we have dark web? <laughs> <laughs> Why do half of our vendors add dark web scanning? I don't know. When are you adding it? <laughs> it's not not gonna do that huh <laughs> no, sorry, i mean if, if someone can make the case for why they could go that map, uh, that'd be super good <laughs> pivot just in case i mean i don't know like, yeah <laughs> We'll, 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 right, add well, a, we'll, we'll add a cloud migration service for you, even though we're on the cloud already. Uh, that seems to be yes. another popular one. Cloud migration. Yeah, uh, yeah we, I'm going to need you to add the dark web scanning. And I also, uh, I want you to tell me if I have any clients that their, um, their OneDrive is getting a little full. And, and then I also need to know uh, the, the Office 365 services if any of them are degraded and I assure you the answer is almost always yes. So if you just put a yes there, you, you're probably fine. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So no, no, seriously guys. Um, this was great. Uh, Yates networks even says, I think we have another winner at rocket MSP. So, you know, I'm doing something right. Uh, and, and you guys are also doing a lot of things, right? So kudos. Nice. Um, yeah, you too. This is fun. Yeah, I agree. I I like to make it fun. Otherwise, yeah. then it's not fun. <laughs> the problem with not, not fun is it's not fun. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah. Just like earlier, like before we went live, I was like, "Yeah, you guys are the ones with the uh, with the smiles, right?" So we have to smile the whole time, right? And, and you're like, "No, no, you only have to smile back when they smile at you." So as long as none of us are smiling, we're good. And then uh, it's not a it's not a smiley and a frowny face. It's just a smiley, a less smiley, and a definitely not smiley face. <laughs> I, I did yeah, like that actually. I thought we that. smiley, <laughs> smiley. <laughs> and that's what uh, we here in Ohio would call more gooder. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. You have yourselves a great day. Thanks to everyone that's watched uh, this episode of Rocket MSP Podcast. I'll be back tomorrow uh, with a guest that I did not look up, and I'm not going to because that would be weird. Uh, so <laughs> you all have a good one, and I'll see you at the next episode. Take care.
Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.